Hello, this is Kristen McDonald, and welcome to Second Vision. Yolanda Nava is an international award-winning author, an Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist, and an inspirational speaker. In 2009, Yolanda suddenly went blind, and yet she continues to inspire and empower others through her writing and speaking. Yolanda is with me today to talk about her new inspirational memoir, Through the Dark. And I'm also delighted to say she's my dear friend, and I'm so happy to have you here, Yolanda. I know it took a lot of coordinating with the holidays for us to do this. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's great to be with you, Kristen. Oh, it's wonderful. And I just loved your book. I couldn't put it down. It's absolutely amazing. So for those listening, uh, and we have many who are visually impaired and blind, um, Please tell us what happened. I mean, you had this life. You were a journalist. I, I think you had you had retired, right, from journalism. I mean, from well, you were I, an I anchor left woman. Journalism, but I was working in New Mexico for uh, Governor Bill Richardson, and I had just left that post, and I was trying to decide if I wanted to go back into the system there or if I wanted to do something else. And the universe decided for me. <laughs> and, Isn't um, that what always happens? Man plans yeah. and God laughs. Yes, and, and it's really interesting because who would have ever thought? And I have had a series of uh, sinus and ear infections that I've been treated. I've gone to ESTs, and I even got tested for some other potential problem, and nothing showed up in the blood work, which, of course, is everything, they say. And uh, uh, I lost sight of one eye, and then three and a half weeks later, I lost sight in the second eye over a three-day period. Now, was and this an autoimmune disease? Well, ultimately, they didn't know initially. This is a challenge. I had gone to doctors after I lost sight. The first eye, nothing showed up. I had some, you know, significant lab work done at the hospital. And uh, it, they, it, it didn't show up because it was such a rare autoimmune illness that only 40,000 people had been diagnosed at that point. Oh, yeah, one of those. So, I love it when they it tell you that. one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't and even so, pronounce the name. What is the name of the condition? Well, I don't even talk about it. It's, it's a really nasty name, uh, Wegener's granulomatosis. But they changed the name, so that's not the name anymore. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they changed names. But it, 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 it was interesting because it, it, the, the second eye that went over three days, it was really interesting because... I had been able to see with one eye. And so I was taking everything in. I was enjoying the scenery. I was reading, you know, picture photographic magazines and, and books. One eye. I was perfectly fine. One eye, hey, I'll take it any time. And, uh, and then when the second eye started going over three days, it was like I was really ill. I didn't realize how ill I was. And I was kind of observing myself with a journalist's eye because, you know, that's what I've done most of my life is been a journalist yeah. and observe. And write stories. And uh, I'm watching this happen. I'm viewing myself. It's like as if Yolanda was viewing the whole thing that was going on over this three-day period. And I thought, my goodness, how interesting. How interesting. Look at this. This is it, It's going darker. And now it looks like a burqa. I've never seen through a burqa. But it was like looking through a burqa on day two and then on day three. It went to black. I said, oh, my goodness, I'm blind. The movie so fades was, to black. Yeah, yeah, the movie fades to black, and so uh, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was ob- observing it, and yet 
I was experiencing it, and yet I didn't go into a panic or anything else. I just, we called somebody that was there, and uh, she came and she started, you know, helping me. She was uh, actually living on the ranch, Julie. And uh, so I get to the hospital a few weeks later, a friend came, and thank God she came. And she took me back to her home with her in L.A., and she was a clarion call, Cecilia, and she got everybody activated, my kids. They got their dad activated because he got me, you know, doctors and stuff because he used to be in the legislature and had, uh, you know, was chairman of the health committee. So he knew what to do there. And uh, everybody was activated. I go into the hospital and they were amazing. Uh, St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica, where my son was born, interestingly enough. And uh, it was uh, it was very dramatic. It was very uh, sudden. Uh, It was. you know, they didn't know what was going on. They were very optimistic when I first got to the hospital. And then by the Friday, they couldn't find out what it was. Apparently, the first biopsy, they didn't capture live cells. And so that's why that didn't show anything. I found this out much later. I see. And so I, I, go, I go home. I come back uh, to the hospital, and they did a second biopsy, and that was where uh, all the miracles started to happen, and uh, uh, I I got through that hospital experience, which was really difficult. It was a it was a you know there was pain, there was fear, there was I was alone the night in the hospital, and that's when things start churning for you because everybody's running in and out during the day, and uh, so it was uh, it was traumatic. And it yet, must have been very. Uh, very traumatic and very terrifying, and I'm I'm glad you're drawing attention to that because your book is so positive. And I, when I got to certain points that we'll discuss in a moment, you know, when you were going through rehabilitation, I was almost happy to hear you have a breakdown at one point, crying or something, because you know we're all human. And I, I like, for instance, I, I know people, including myself, who've had a longer period to deal with vision loss and not total darkness, and it's still terrifying and surreal. But you can't go through something like that without going through it to get to the other side. Right, right. That's why you know? I called the book Dark. It was going to have a slightly different title. And my son said, why don't we just call it Through the Dark? And That's a great so title. Yeah, it's a great title, and I think it totally works. And it is about moving through. And, I'm an, you know, like you, I'm an ultimate optimist. And yes. I see the glasses refillable. And so I did go through that. It was challenging on those dark and lonely nights in the hospital because everybody was gone and I was there by myself and I was sometimes feeling pain and uh, at times feeling fear and, uh, and uh, you know, feeling very alone. And there was nothing, nothing to break that, the darkness, the black. I see only black. And usually you would have some light and illuminating the room or something would be going on, right, when you have vision. But uh, it was just black, and I was still due to this experience because it just had happened a couple of weeks earlier. And a and frustration so, of not being able to, you know, take control and do things. I know that happens to me sometimes as I've gotten more blind, you know, and there are things you, you want to be able You know you can do them yourself, and you can't do them. You know, yeah, it's right yeah, there in front yeah. of you. And you had this whole new reality on how would I cope with being in the dark, and you had to go through major rehab, but you were also going through, I understand, a terrible divorce. Yes. Tell us about yeah. that. It was, it was everything. It was everything. If, if you ever... <laughs> the house of cards you fell down. Do it, do it all at once. It, yep. was, it was like having the rug pulled out from under me because I, you know, I had this, this disease, which almost killed me. I mean, I was really, I was really very close to death at the hospital. I didn't know that. 
But so I scary. And, uh, but I somehow drew from uh, memory, from spiritual tools I'd learned over the course of my life, and my mother came to me, and I thought, well, what did she do when I wasn't feeling well? And she would sing me poems, you know, lyrics, and uh, she would uh, she taught me uh, spiritual messaging, you know, messages that I recited to myself while I was in the hospital, and I would sing to myself, so I was self-nurturing. I was self-nurturing myself while in the hospital with some of the same strategies that my mother used, which was song. And when you think about it, song is very healing. Uh, and, uh, you know, hymns are very healing. And any kind of positive lyrical song is going to be a wonderful experience. And I went to that. And I'm glad I did because it helped me shift on a lot of different levels. And, and thank uh, God you had that core of faith, you know. And I, b- I believe, I'm a true believer in this visits, visitations. I've had them myself in dreams and, and when I've been ill here once. Uh, my father came to visit me at the foot of the bed. And I'm reading this fascinating book, uh, not to digress, but it's called Opening Heaven's Doors. And it's all about these people who are, they have near death, uh, you know, um, either before their passing or, or they have a near-death experience at all the visitation from the loved ones. And I was up till 1 in the morning reading it last night. So I believe this. I, I can understand that you felt the presence of your mother. I felt the presence of my mother. I felt the presence of God. And it, it's interesting because the, the veil between uh, the various dimensions is very thin. And the veil, we are spiritual beings. I mean, this is a whole other dimension of the book, but... We are, I believe, we are spiritual beings having this human experience. And so I suddenly kicked into that a bit uh, and had to look at it. And I, I, again, this whole process that I went through in the hospital, and, and it continues today because I'm always processing things, and I'm going, well, what's that about? And why this and why that? And why blindness? You know, and it's, uh, there's so many questions that we could ask ourselves, and uh what is the opportunity here, really? Because we tend to look at things and go into trauma about it, like this is the end of the world and, and, and that is going to slow us down. But when we can start asking questions, what's the opportunity here? What am I to learn from this experience? What's you know, the yours is more protracted, yeah, but you're, what are you learning through all of this? You know, that's the question. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, tell us, you know, there were so many stages here of what you went through. And so you have the initial onset, the diagnosis, coming home, and, and, um, and all of a sudden this new reality to deal with. You know, I always tell people blindness doesn't come with an instruction booklet, and it's really <laughs> true. So, I mean, there you went off to this school. I forgot the name of it, but to me it sounds so intimidating. We I've mention, learned this with other people coming to my home. We don't mention the name. It's an unknown place and an unknown okay. name. But I know uh, other people who have gone there or places like yeah. it. And so tell us about that. Well, it, it was a nine-month training boot program camp. at a boot camp. And uh, I was I was partnered with, I should have asked for some grown-up, but there weren't many in the whole group. I think I was the only grown-up for the first few months. And they were both the teens and 20s, you know, blind for birth, you know. Very capable, very capable young group of people. I mean, they're amazing. Some played the piano, some were uh, martial arts experts, some were swimmer champions, swimmers, golfers, whatever it is. And these are, these are young people who were blind for birth and 
let me tell you, they have great training, and they, they would run through the uh, bus trade loop with their canes because they knew how to do all that, you know? Yeah, and yeah. blind from to, birth, of course. How do, I avoid, how do I avoid falling off the curb? Oh, so, God, so scary. You know? So it's, it's, it was a, uh, very traumatic because I was away from home. I had actually had to leave my home because I went through a divorce, and I didn't realize it, uh, that I was forced out of my house by my uh, unbeloved ex, I call him. But the, uh, it was everything was thrown up in the air at one time. But I'm there at this boot camp, which uh, in terms of the learning experience for somebody who is more mature when they start losing sight or when they lose sight suddenly, as I did, uh, you need some touchy-feely. You need some warm hugs. You need uh, uh, something warm and fuzzy, and it was the opposite of that. And I knew for myself when I was there that my experience, uh, my growth would be to be able to ask for help and to be able to receive it. Right. Because I'm so hyper-independent. You know, I've been very successful. I've had a remarkable life, and it still is remarkable. And uh, But that was such a brutal assault on my sensibilities. Uh, first of all, to be treated like a teenager, you know, have a grown-up. Uh, and, uh, and to be and thrown to the wolves, like in parking lots and, and malls yeah. and... You're not allowed to, to hang on to anyone. I mean, uh, you're there with a new roommate. I mean, just the, the night that you started in your apartment and they, no instruction. You're just there in the apartment. How do you get food? I, I was reading it. Just I was astounded. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> and she and, was such a piece of work. Oh, your oh, roommate. God, she she ate all your Chinese food or something one night. I laughed my head off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... it's uh, it, 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 there is no instruction book, and the interesting thing is, I guess we have to learn to be more adept uh, and to be able to flex. I think I've done that. Uh, I was forced into it by being there. I was away from home, but my saving grace during all of that, Kristen, is that I, I got out of there. I would fly home, you know, and and and, and spend a few days. You know, I had an appointment yes. or something I had to go to. And I would fly to Los Angeles. This is really my saving grace. I would fly to Los Angeles because I was on a board of directors for a new cultural center that we were just creating, and it was just going to be open in the next few months. And so I was very involved in that process. I had to raise money. I had to do all kinds of things. And I, uh, I had to jump, too, right away. I couldn't have a pity party. I didn't have time because I had too much to learn and do. Plus, I was shuffling, moving, doing all kinds of stuff. And so I was really pressed to the back, and I'm just grateful that I, I survived it. Uh, I mean, right there, there's so much trust. Let's just talk about leaving a, a new place like that, an environment like that, but so intimidating, and you get on a plane and you can't see a thing and you've never experienced this before in your life. That in itself you deserve a medal for it because, I mean, it, it, people say to me, how do you fly and everything? You know, it's, it's very difficult, you know, but I've, I've learned to do the system and you get help. And, but there's an enormous amount of trust that you have to have when you're on someone's arm and uh, having them navigate you around the world. And you had to get that overnight practically. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. But it was a good, it was a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a good thing to do to get out of there. But I'm saying pat yourself on the back for even learning how to be mobile so soon by yourself. That's very independent, and it's, it's scary, you know. Um, and it, just back to the divorce, I was so astounded by the lack of empathy 
you know, you talk about in your relationship and how your relationship was just fractured at that time and, um, and how you dealt with that on top of everything else. Do you want to talk about that? Well, it, it, was, uh, it was very challenging. Uh, it was very challenging because he really disconnected. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, we weren't in a good place to start with at that point. And then when mm-hmm. I lost my sight, I think it caused him some trauma. And, uh, and uh, you know, people have to deal with themselves. And I think there were some underlying issues that had not been resolved. And uh, Always. we have to learn to look for help in our partners. And mm-hmm. when we see signs of something, we have to learn to get out mm-hmm. or get help or do whatever is necessary. And I was in such a vulnerable place, there was no way of doing any of that in the moment. Uh, I had to do it soon enough when I got out of the hospital. But it is, you know, helpful to have somebody who is supportive in your life. Uh, Absolutely. I had my children, but I was in a different city. Mm-hmm. I had my friend Cecilia, thank God, and my other friends that jumped in, you know, to be, to be there for me. And I have, I am very fortunate to have angels that I've known, you angels that I meet, as strangers. Who, yes, we met in the train uh, station. God connected yes, us. We Absolutely. Did. Yeah, we did. We did. The union trustee there. We were traveling. <laughs> yep, yep, we were both traveling. We were both, both traveling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're getting across from each other. And turquoise. You're both in cowboy boots and a leather jacket, whatever it was. But it's it's really kind of funny. But yeah, it, and when you're sitting there and you don't know who's around you, I know. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, look uh, it's, what you it's, could it's miss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it, it thankfully the the boot camp experience uh, uh, helped me just jump off into the into the blue, literally. And uh, the training wasn't as complete as I would have liked. Uh, I kept asking for a four-way signal light because that's what we have, you know, here in California. I've never had a, you know, loop like they had there or a T kind of situation like they had there. And I couldn't get it. I kept asking for it. I I just, they wouldn't give it to me. It was a one-size-fits-all. And uh, and so, you know, there's a different adaptation that you have, first of all, if you're older. Right, of course. It's a whole different experience than if you were born blind or if you go blind when you're young because the training programs and the schools that they have are just incredible. And it's easy to learn when you're, you know, when you're that young. I oh, when you're born blind, it's a totally different yeah. situation. Yeah. 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 I gave but, up um, Braille. But scary. I you took up Braille? I, I gave up Braille as soon as I left the program because I knew... You know, the books are bigger than I am, and they're thick, and they're heavy. Oh, and yeah. to read at a level where I have to read, I mean, I like to read. I, I, I had one cartridge, one of the digital cartridges for the Talking Book Program, uh, the Library of Congress for, uh, Talking Book Program. I had 36 books on there, Kristen. I read every one of them, even though oh, I Oh, that's me. I, every other day I'm finishing another book, you know. Thank God for Audible and for the Braille Library. Yeah, it's you wonderful. Know. And yeah, I but learning Braille is a whole thing. 
takes a long time, I've been told. Well, it's, it's easy if you're in kindergarten, but it's not yes. going to be easy now. No. But it was so funny because I had a wonderful Braille teacher, and uh, he was he was really compassionate and wonderful. And he had, a, he had had lost his career later. I lost his sight later in his life. And he had uh, worked in a, uh, in, in a, in a congressional, uh, you know, for a congressman in Washington. And so we had a lot in common because we could talk politics and stuff like that. He was also a very spiritual man, a very loving man, very mature, very, very wonderful man. And I would tease and play, and I'd be reading the thing, and he'd say, you're on the wrong line. I said, well, how am I supposed to know? I can't see the lines. You know, because I see the lines, right? <laughs> and so I would wave my finger around and fly it around the air and, you know, tickle him on the neck or something just to play because I had to do something to break up the, you know, yeah. uh, uh, the situation. That's uh, funny. But, uh, That's- yeah, I, I'm glad I could laugh about it when I was writing the book and going back over all of this. I just was laughing, and there is humor in that chapter, even though it's you know it's a it's the heaviest chapter of the book. But it it uh, there is humor there because I was able to see it even at the time, and even at looking back, like oh my god, how did I ever get through that? You know? Oh, um, I can't uh, even imagine. You know? And there was one day when you came back from the school, and wasn't one of the instructors? run down or something on a curb oh, when you God, yes. oh that was terrible we were it was christmas break and i had gone back to uh i'd gone to los angeles for the christmas holiday and i uh went back to school and it wasn't announced it wasn't discussed uh one of the one of my favorite friends there the younger man who i still stay in touch with uh, told me, he called me out, you know, after class, he said, let's have lunch. And I said, what's going on? And he told me that one of our students had been escorting three, his male students, 30s, a married man with three children. And he had some sight, and he was escorting three blind girls to the, you know, to the bus. And it's snow. It's, it's, it, it was, it was snowy there. And, uh, and a car, it. it was going too fast to make a turn, and it skidded and jumped up onto the curb. He saw it coming, and he moved in front of the girls, and it killed him instantly. Oh. And the three girls were seriously injured. Two of them were in the hospital for six months, if you can imagine. Oh, my and, God. Uh, they lived, but he died. And it's interesting because he was the, one of the first people that helped me, you know, who gave me his arm because you weren't supposed to do that. They didn't want you to touch anybody. And... Uh, and uh, he helped me, and he was just—he was a very loving, very spiritually minded young man. He was in his thirties with three young children, so it was really sad. And, and you don't forget those people, I, you know. That really spoke to my heart. One, and I wanted to bring it up for a couple of reasons, because it, to show what it's like to go off there in the dark to a school like that, and they do not allow you to be, you know, hanging on to anyone else, and it's, it must have been very scary. And you know, those mobility counselors who helped me as I was going blind. They became my friends. I never forgot them. I mean, I, I had one guy, we were walking through the neighborhood once, and, and when I was just trying to adjust to it, and I said, well, what do I do if I see a cute guy, Richard? And he says, well, you hand the cane to me, and you say, hey, Richard, you're doing just great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, you have it. special moments because they help me keep my sense of humor and stay up when you wanted to cry, you know, like this is a new yeah. reality, and suddenly people are treating you like you have a disability or some people are awkward. And I know you talk about that, too. So let's, you know, tell me about that. What was it like to suddenly be treated like you were blind or had a disability? Or how could people well, improve on that? 
it was it was a little hard to take because they would talk to me as if I couldn't comprehend anything. And I said to them, I said, I'm just blind. I'm not brain dead. You know? Right, right. Talk to me. Or if you go to a store and you have, if you're with somebody or somebody drops you off, oftentimes people will talk to the person that's with you, not to the blind person. And oh, d- oh yes, here. I've had that happen. It's so patronizing yeah. and rude, and they don't realize yeah. it. Yeah, they don't know. They think you can't because no. you can't see. Right. And so it's it's very interesting. And so I, I, I do joke with people, but what I do is I, uh, I, I like to instruct and I like to teach people because when I go to a doctor's office, they don't know how to guide you. They, they give you the... You know, they take you to the chair from a different position that's not going to help you sit in it. I know, you know I know. I go through that, too. Yeah. Yep, yep. The and Uber so drivers. I train everybody. I train everybody. I train the nurses. I train anybody. Me, that too. I, you know, around. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to yeah. because it helps them help other people, too, that they're going to feel more comfortable. Because I think of all the uh, loss of senses, people are more afraid themselves of blindness. Yes, yes. And so that's what happens. People get a little afraid sometimes. You think they're being um, awkward or uncomfortable, but they're actually sometimes in awe or a little nervous themselves just to be around you. They think you're fragile. They don't know how they sit you in a chair. They give you a stemless wine glass. (laughs) They don't (laughs) want you breaking. I say, okay, child-proof the place, you know, when I come, and I'm just kidding. But, you know, I've had that at parties. They sit you down, and then you get stuck in one corner all night. And I'm a very social person. I couldn't stand that. You know, yeah. you want to mingle around. So yeah, it, it is yeah. a new way of life, you know. Suddenly you're treated like an older person or something just because you have a disability. Right, right. And uh, it, it's funny. It is. Uh, it, but the neat thing is about where I live here, I live a half a mile from the uh, shopping center, which has all kinds of restaurants and, you know, sees candy even. Uh, the cleaners, everything is there, a bakery. Everything is there. It's wonderful, my bank. And I could go over there do, you know, three, four errands and at a time, which is wonderful. And I'll walk over there by myself because I like the independence of that. And I walk yes. just a half a mile meandering path, which is a little tricky because it does meander. It's not straight. And so you're always having to move yourself to make sure you don't go into the flower bed or the grass or whatever. Oh, yes, yes. And sometimes the golf cart comes by and they think that they have the right of way. They don't know the rules. And uh, But most of the time, I find people that, you know, will ask, do you need help? And I go, yes, <laughs> thank you. And I'm running late, you know, because if I've gotten uh, disoriented or something, which still happens, you know? Yes, still happens. yes, yes. And you have and, to accept uh, that help. There's so many wonderful people who, you know, here I'm putting down the ones who are awkward and things. There's so, there's so many far more people who are wonderful, and they approach me every day and, you know, with their heart, and they want to help, and they're just, friendly and some people just they have no problem with the blindness they're just right away comfortable with it you know right right yeah Yeah. i have i have a lot of angels that i run into in fact there's there's this one guy that goes to have coffee at uh, there's a starbucks there at the market and then there's a actually there's a very good french coffee at at a restaurant but he goes to get coffee and he must park there somewhere and i've now run into him twice and he says you know, hi, it's, it's, I think his name is Jim. He says, you know, he says, do you need help? I said, sure, come on, walk me up to the cleaners. 
And so I get to, you know, we have an exchange. It's very nice. It's very, you know, it's very nurturing for both people because people really do want to help. And that's the interesting yes. thing, you know, during this, everybody is, uh, uh, you know, afraid of people and, you know, we're, we're vast and everything else. But there, you can do social distancing and you can still have an exchange and an encounter with somebody. It's very meaningful. And I'm very fortunate to have that, Kristen. I just love my walks when I go across the street. I do it once a week only on Saturdays because it's, it's uh, you don't have a lot of traffic, uh, and you have uh, the cool of the morning, and it's quiet, and you know when you're crossing a busy street, and you're listening for an audio signal. You need uh, to if listen. Somebody comes by at a big beer truck or a or a, a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and he's revving it, or a boombox, God forbid, you can't mm-hmm. hear the signal. You no. can't hear it. No. And so no. How do you? And then you get off course. So it's. It is there. There are a lot of things to to be aware of, and uh, having quieter uh, surround is helpful because you have to hear what the sounds are, like the audio signal, or to hear where the traffic flow is, the direction oh, yeah. of the traffic. Obviously. I can't even yeah. get my Uber outside when the gardener's here. You know, the, the loud lawnmower drives me crazy because I've got my headset on. You know, waiting to hear his text and hear the car pull up. You know. And people say, well, soon you'll be in a driverless car. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I have enough trouble finding the Uber here with the driver in it. <laughs> oh, well, there's, a, there's, yeah, there's an issue with these, with these silent cars because if you, don't hear, excuse me, if you don't hear them coming, you can step, you know, you can think you've got a clear, a, a clear crossing. I know. So I know. I, I'm concerned about that. I really am. I'm not. Well, you have to be. Person. I got hit once, you know, and was almost was right under the tire. Oh, yeah, on my street. So, you know, six, seven years ago, and I was walking to the bank. So you have to be very, very careful, you know. Um, but, it, you know, you, you sound like you've got it all down pat and you're in a quieter area, you know, in Palm Desert, you know, Palm Springs, right? I've, yeah, I've been in your wells. It, yeah. is, it is quiet, and it's very beautiful. And the nice thing about the meandering is I can hear the, the meandering walkways. I can hear the birds and the trees, and there's a lot of trees. And uh, it's a really beautiful, uh, restful place. I know when I'm in L.A. and I'm, I'm doing, you know, moving around there and I'm, I'm taking access and everything, it's, uh, it's trickier because I've had people miss me because they didn't see me standing in a doorway, and they don't they – don't, realize I'm blind, and so they just right, go by right. and they don't stop. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, now, didn't you go visit John John of God when you were I getting did. into the I acceptance did. stage? And you want to tell us a little bit about that? We only have so much time, but I'd love to hear a little bit about yeah. that. We had, I, I went to a couple of, of retreats uh, after I left the boot camp, and I went to one in Carmel, it was a Zen Mountain Retreat Center, which is fascinating, uh, Buddhist training, and worked in the kitchen uh, three hours a day at the guest practice program, chopping, chopping with a big chef's knife. Oh, I read about that. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You're amazing. Yeah. And then I went to, uh, to Brasilia. I had a friend who recommended I go there, and I always pay attention to what certain people say. And uh, so I, I went, and I, everything worked out so beautifully. I had a new friend that I had met at just at a previous birthday party that another friend had brought, and they were neighbors. And she uh, she asked me when she heard I was going to Brasilia, she said, would you like a roommate? I'd really like to go. I said, are you kidding? That'd be fabulous, because I was worried about how I was going to do a foreign country where I don't speak the language. Right, I speak right. Spanish, but they don't speak Spanish in Brazil. 
and I was concerned about how I was going to navigate everything, and that I'm in a strange country, and how do I how do I get help? And so she asked if she could go. We, we she was a marvelous traveling companion. She's just a lovely person, and uh, we just had the best time. We walked the neighborhoods, and you know she liked to pick fruit off of. There were all kinds of trees growing with the branches over on the sidewalk, and she would pick the fruit or whatever. We'd eat it as we're walking along. So she was very adventuresome. And they had papayas on the trees that were humongous. But they gave us three intentions, and I think this is a really important part of of the book and one of the one of the real key things to move through things is, you know, the setting of intention. And I didn't know what to expect. I thought I had one intention, and obviously I'd like to restore my sight. But when we got there, they asked us to write down three intentions. And then they would uh, translate them and give them to John of God. And so I didn't know what my second and third intentions were going to be. And it's really fascinating because I had joked uh, with friends about the intentions and I didn't really think seriously about it, but I really was creating one as I went along. And it was an amazing experience uh, just to be in a foreign country, a different language that you don't know. I mean, the people at the hotel, of course, spoke English, and most of the people that were staying at our hotel uh, were coming from different centers for spiritual living, you know, and so we had common ground, and and it was a really lovely experience. The food was incredible. Uh, The beauty was great. People could describe something, and because I've been sighted all my life, I I could see You could see it in your brain. Yeah. I could see the color. I could see everything. And it, it's really interesting because I think it's something that I discovered in this process and certainly wrote about in the book that we don't see with physical eyes. No. We see with the mind. With our mind and our heart. Yeah. And that's yeah. why when, you know, people aren't seeing the same thing that's on a video screen, you know, or whatever, uh, it's because they have their mind made up about what they're willing to see. Right. And uh, it's... It's a fascinating thing. So we do see with our mind, we see at the heart, too. The heart thinks. That's something we're just discovering in recent years. Heart thinks. And so we have to kind of drop into the heart and say, well, what, what, you know, what's going on here? What, what do I really feel? Right. And, uh, that, that involves trust. And we have to trust when you can't see. You've got to have a certain amount of trust. And then it also warns you when you need to get out of a situation. Well, it's yeah. oh, it does. It's your instinct. It's certainly if you had written down your intention to get your eyesight back, was that was that it that you wrote down? That was that it, was my, it, that was a, it, that was the obvious one, and I had to right. Obviously, if you haven't, that hasn't happened yet. You got your vision, and maybe that's what John of God gave you. You know, you got your well, second vision. Uh, it's interesting because uh, in the glossary of science and health, with key to the scriptures. Uh, the glossary is really powerful. It, it's very healing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And the description of eyes, which I've really worked with a lot uh, mm-hmm. over the years, eyes, uh, spiritual discernment, mental, not material, speaking of Jesus, having ye eyes, see ye not. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that in the Bible, certainly, and it is very relevant, I think, today when so many people have physical sight but our seed was discerned. They lack their vision. That's what I always say. They you know, my yeah. second vision, you know, 
and you certainly have that, you know. So why don't we tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your website and uh, the, your other book. It's all in the Freeholds. I, free, I love that book, you know, the, yeah. the, the short stories on different on the Latin culture, and it was just beautiful. I loved it. So tell them where they can reach you for speaking engagements or to get your book, Through the Dark. Well, I'm on, I'm, I have a website at teoladenava.com, and uh, I can I can be reached through there, and uh, and uh, I have social media. I'm on you know Instagram and I'm on YouTube and uh, all of them. Uh, uh, LinkedIn. I I, I I I don't even think about it because I don't you know I don't work them myself. But the uh, the social media piece is out there, and the uh, the uh, the website has a place to contact, you know, if they want uh, somebody to come in and speak. And I've always, I've always uh, in favor of doing that. I love to do it in person. And we sure. haven't been able to, but the virtual part of it has been absolutely wonderful. And I think I actually like it better because you don't have to travel all over the country to get your book out. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Zoom. And buy stock and Zoom for sure. You know, and for those of you you listening who have uh, a site issue, Yolanda is Y O L A N D A, and it's Nava N A V A. And one more time, your website is Yolanda Nava. dot com. dot com. Easy. Yeah. Oh, Yolanda, it's been such a joy. You know, I I know we we had trouble planning this, and I so appreciate your time and. So I have so much admiration for what you're doing and your beautiful book. I just loved it, you know, and you have to just, you know, keep shining your light. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview today. thank you very much. And I hope people will pick up the book and read it because it really is uh, healing. It's a beautiful book. uh, book. It is a healing book, yes. And for those of you you listening, I'm, oh, you're welcome, Yolanda. Much love on the holidays. For those of you listening, I'm Kristen McDonald for Second Vision. And remember, nothing is impossible. And as Yolanda said, she might have um, lost her sight, but she gained her vision. Have a blessed day. I'm Kristen McDonald for Second Vision.